Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. We are in full vacation mode, and summer is coming to an end right before school starts. This is when everyone does their vacation. And we've got some vacations as well, so we don't have an interview for you today, but we do want to cover the news. So let's get into it. First up, ElixirConf US schedule is up. So it's been posted and we have a link in the show notes where you can check it out. But officially, ElixirConf starts with training classes on a Tuesday, September 5th, and then it runs through September 8th. So the main conference is on Wednesday and Thursday and a half day on Friday. Jose Valim has the opening keynote titled Types, but at what cost? Presumably about the state of types in Elixir and everything that's been going on in that. Brian Cardarella of Dockyard will be talking about LiveView Native. I remember it was previous conference where it was first announced, LiveView Native, and kind of demoed at the, the very early stages. So I'm really excited to see where that's been going now. And Caitlin Burns will be talking about motion tracking with Bumblebee and LiveView. I'm just talking about the keynotes here, right? So, And then the final closing keynote is Chris McCord. And we don't quite know exactly what he's going to talk about yet, because this is a three-track conference. It's like you have three different rooms with simultaneous presentations with a total of 57 presenters. So it is a lot of stuff. We can't go through all of it. Even the highlights of the best ones that we are most interested in seeing, we can't even cover those. Yeah, that's a lot of presentations. Something for everyone. Recently, we saw Sean Moriarty draw attention to some work on Bumblebee by Jonathan Colasco, it's a merged PR that adds support for streaming text generation results from Bumblebee. So Sean points out that we can embed it directly into our apps and we don't have to worry about dealing with server sent events from OpenAI or TGI. And I don't even know what TGI means, but it's probably a thing. <laughs> and the license is fully open. So he teased that there's a lot more to come in this space. We're excited to tune in and see what happens there. Yes, I've been doing some stuff with server sent events. It's that's like the chat GPT interface where it's teletype sending back characters and word chunks and stuff like that. That That's what that's talking about. So being able to do that directly from Bumblebee, that seems pretty cool when it's talking about text generation and not having to write all of the, how do I handle this? How do I parse that? How do I glom all this back together again? Yeah. Yeah. And next up, Open Web gets upgraded metrics. So last week, we talked with Parker Selbert about Open, the Elixir job processing library. I have a link to that in the show notes, previous episode. And in that conversation, he talked about how he was glad that they were able to come back and revisit and upgrade a lot of the live view features and things in Open Web. So he has a tweet where he's showing off some of these really cool new features. And at the time of this recording, it's not yet released, but it probably could be released by the time you receive this episode. But uh, just to kind of cover some of this, it's composable real-time auto-completed filtering. Got a link to the tweet where you can see a video to get a sense of really what this looks like and what it's doing. But it features rolling graphs to show performance metrics of jobs. It has type-ahead auto-completion, like using your worker module name or specific value in an argument of a job things like that. It seems like it's a really cool new feature. Yeah, it looks really nice. When I first saw it, I thought, is he showing me something from Datadog? It's like, no, this is built into that pro web interface. Really cool. Fly.io. It's a great place to run Elixir apps. 
With many global regions, a private network that makes it easy to cluster your app, and a powerful CLI, it's something you should really try out. Experience it for yourself at fly.io. So on Hacker News, we recently saw an Elixir positive article up for a little while, and it was called Elixir for Cynical Curmudgeons. It was a realistic, self-proclaimed curmudgeon view of the new, in quotes, language of Elixir. The TLDR here, I guess, is that they love the lispiness of it and its use of macros. And there was a few quotes here that we liked. You can kind of see how he progresses through the article here. So he says, quote, I've looked at Elixir before, but it's kind of tended to turn me off, even with the Elixir benefits. I can get all these benefits in Erlang, and it just takes a little more work. Why should I bother learning a new language with tens of millions of special syntax frills, all sorts of domain-specific tooling, and a new standard library, etc.? He goes on to say, this is the root of my curmudgeonousness. <laughs> magic is never worth it. 99% of the time, magic breaks. And that's the thing about Elixir's version of magic. None of it is actually hidden. They don't try to pretend it's magic. And then finally, he says, it's been a long time since a programming language made me feel this happy. Yeah, it's an interesting article. and I, I really enjoy his discovery process. He's very cynical is kind of the way he comes at it. Like he has a lot of experience solving nasty issues. So then he's like, nothing's ever as good as it sounds on the tin, right? So he's like, so going back to our weird Phoenix modules this is like another quote, right? With all the new block types, all those blocks that are written in the format of magical keyword value do and dot dot end, they're all macros. Scope is a macro. Pipeline is a macro. So def module can contain any kind of macro call. Wait, that means, then he has this kind of epiphany of if is a macro, def is a macro, def module is a macro. It's all macros. It's all macros all the way down. <laughs> and he goes off into <laughs> maniacal laughter. And like, he starts to like realize like, oh, it's kind of magic-y, but it's not magic, right? It's not hidden. This is a main feature of the language. His whole discovery and exploration of Elixir was because he was trying to learn Phoenix. And he was, as he was looking at Phoenix, he's like, I don't understand where some of these things are, like the macros that he was seeing. So then he figures it out and he's like, wow, this is, this is exciting. It's making me happy. You can check it out. We have a link in the show notes. And next up, just want to pass along a fun little library author tip. It's from Patrick Smith of Orb. He recommends writing a test in your library that reads your readme file and compares it to the mix project's version to ensure that your readme is always up to date on installation instructions for users. Oh, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. I love that idea. It's always funny how like I've I've been burned enough by readmes that I generally don't copy what they say when they say put this into your mix.exs. I'm like, "No, hold on. Let me go to hexpm. I'll copy that." <laughs> okay, now continue on the readme. And last up, there's a YouTube video that has nearly 3 million views titled, Let's Build GPT from Scratch, in code, spelled out. That's the whole title. Well, anyways, this has nothing to do with Elixir, except that we noticed on Twitter some people were following along using Elixir NX, and I thought, that's pretty cool to see people using Elixir and NX for projects and experiments like that. And it's cool that NX is getting far enough along that if you know a little bit about what you're doing, you can kind of follow along and translate it into this language. So very cool to see that. Well, that's all we have for the news. Thank you for joining us today. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Thank you for listening. We hope to join us next time on Thinking Elixir.